Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. (laughs) What was with that seductive voice, Ryan? I'm Ryan. I'm going to talk about Unmatched Battle of Legends. And Ryan? I've got to do Rococo. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They are the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We're going into playing, doing, thinking board games. And Ryan, your thinking part, you've got the whole... I've got, I've got a conundrum point. here. you got a conundrum. I've, I've got a conundrum. Because I've got some beef with some uh, board game publishers here. Um, (laughs) Is it just me, or do people feel like the board game box is getting bigger as the the hobby is kind of growing and whatnot? Now, I I bring this up because I recently just uh, got my Anachrony Infinity Box um, Kickstarter (laughs) pledge. And I, I backed it. Because it was going to be a new storage solution because Anachrony has a ton of little bits. The setup on it is a bear. And so then they said they came up with this Kickstarter, gave a couple extra little expansions. But then they said they were going to get a big box to house all of the all of the stuffs for it. Well, it arrived. And I took a couple pictures of it and posted it on Twitter and Instagram and the Facebook community. And to give you a comparison, Gloomhaven is a big box. Yeah. The Anacri Infinity Box is a bigger box than Gloomhaven. It is. And I'm like, okay, I thought we we're, okay, I, I understand that I was going to get a bigger box to store all the components. But this thing just went over the top for me. Like, I knew I was going to get a big box, but I, I you, was not prepared. You got a cardboard shipping container is what you got. I was not, I was not prepared. <laughs> And so this is the second one in a row that arrived. Like I, re- I got the Kickstarter pledge of Etherfields, which came in a shipping box, which like Norm said, is like I got a brand new appliance for my house type of type of shipping box. Now the game box isn't that isn't that big. It's just because it had a whole bunch of stuffs inside of that box. But man, these game boxes just don't seem to be getting any smaller um, these days. It's you know what the problem is? Is all those people out there that are addicted to these Kickstarters. Bigger is better. Bigger is better. <laughs> so, yeah. Ryan, you are the problem. Yeah. 
This, I mean, oh, it's like okay. the supersized <laughs> culture, right? So it's not it's not the publisher's problem. It's my problem. If if okay. people wouldn't click on that option, then they wouldn't provide the option. But I mean, that's right. Yeah. No, and I've noticed too. It's yeah. like I, I you, yeah, they're huge. you know where it was interesting. I looked at the show notes, and then I looked in my collection, and I looked at the original Glenmore, and it's a great small. And then I looked at Glenmore Tour too, and you could fit probably like ten of the original Glenmores in the Glenmore Two box. Uh, yeah, I just saw that the other day at Amazing Stories. It was a huge. It's a huge box. Yeah, I thought the Glenmore Two box would be exactly the same size, more oh. or less. Oh no! It's it's uh, yeah. Holy it's like, cow! I am really glad I went with the old version when I decided to buy it. Yeah, yeah. Names, yeah, and, put aside. And, and, and some of these big boxes I'm talking about here, um, a lot of these <clears throat> boxes I'm talking about that I have on my collection uh, on my shelf are these. Um, they're these salute. They're quote unquote <laughs> solutions for holding all of the stuffs. For a certain game, like I have the uh, Suburbia Deluxe Edition, it has all of the stuff, it upgraded component, but it had all the expansions inside this big cube-like box. Um, my Scythe Legendary box is a huge box, but it contains all of the Scythe stuff into into one place. I'm almost thinking, was I better off just maybe just keeping the original box and the expansion boxes? Because I mean, to- like you're a Calyx guy, right? So it's like those things don't fit in those small little cubicles. Right, and then, then we don't get into like the Eagle Griffin games big box. Their big box, the series, deluxe, like their yeah. Vitala, like yeah. their Vitala Serta games are coming these gigantic, tall, not necessarily super wide boxes, but they're really, really tall. Yeah, yeah. and so they're they don't fit on like a normal bookshelf or a Calyx shelf or anything. They're like, like that. They they're like the size of a shirt box that you'd get like a tailor's, right? Like a big but sweater I ha- box. I, yeah. I'm at the point now where I have to. Um, I have to know the dimensions of the box size before I maybe try to. <laughs> so I might be missing out on some good games in the future because I physically can't store these things anymore. Um, like I passed on the Terraforming Mars uh, big box. I, I did not get that one because I didn't need another cube-like box. For a hundred bucks. Tick. Right. That, that, for a hundred dollars, <laughs> go back to our previous episodes. That's rant and rave about that wait, one. Wait, wait, wait. There's, uh, there's miniatures in there too, isn't there? Terrain and stuff. No, I'm joking. It's a hundred bucks. Is a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. So, well, the, yeah. the suburbia um, one is interesting because the suburbia one, you probably could fit all the expansions that they had. Actually, you can because I did. You can yeah. fit all the expansions in the regular box. And that one, they just made it bigger for the sake of making it bigger. Yeah. And they're coming yeah. up with a Castles of Mad King Ludwig version of that. Did well, you see that? Yes, they're we, coming up with the I, same I, deluxified version. Okay, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna so since I'm since I'm backing Darwin's journey, I'm not going to get the. Uh, yeah, Castles I decided not Ludwig. to do that because I don't want the same massive box either. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw this out there because we're three teachers and and um, and teachers are known to be oh I don't know what's the word frugal. <laughs> I mean, my favorite teacher joke is, what's the difference between a teacher and a canoe? A canoe tips. Um, and so here's my idea. Um, now, everything keeps getting big. It doesn't need to keep getting bigger because you keep driving the price point higher. So where is that? Where's that happy medium of this is as much as you need that price point as far as what's in the box right 
And then of I course, I think I think companies need box? to look. Um, <laughs> what was in the box? Need, <laughs> P- companies need to look at what um, Riot Games did. Now they're the creators of Mechs versus Minions. Yeah. Now Mechs versus Minions is a a very is a very large um, box. It has a ton of components, a lot of stuff inside of it. But their price, like they kept that at seventy five dollars. Yeah. Uh, like well under a hundred bucks. And the amount of stuff and the amount of game you got inside that, and and like the pre-painted miniatures yeah. and stuff like that, like companies need to look at what did they do because I I want I would be interested to figure out what their price, uh, what their margin profits profit yeah. margins were on that, because I think I've heard other people. But say I I, that I don't have company, I don't have room. Yeah. I, I don't have a lot of room for Max versus me in size boxes on my <laughs> shelf. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there's got to be, like in the in, in the in the kickstarters. There's always a deluxified. I'm thinking, give me the bare bones. Like, show me what your game is before I'm I'm gonna like, you know, push oh, no, my they're, stack they're, of chips in. Right? It's like, give me. They're preying wooden. on the psychology. They're preying on oh, the fear. Oh, absolutely, 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 they are. Yeah. And the clicking. It's like, oh, you get this for. It's like, no. I mean, I get. And so now, are we prey to that whole psychological game of, of upgrade, 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 or? The bigger box has a better game inside yeah. of it. Yeah. Right? But yeah, I think you hit that. it with the FOMO part, right? It's like, well, these minis only come with the Kickstarter. Well, then they're not that special. <laughs> they're not including them with the whole game. <laughs> and then that's, you got my OCD kicking in here, yeah. that I need to fit everything into one box. I'm with you on that. I, if I can, I will. If I can fit it in, I will. Like, um, Ra- Raiders of the North Sea came out with a, a, a giant, big collector's edition box so yeah. that you can fit all that. But through miracle of math, I was able to fit all of the expansion material inside of my one base game, uh, Raiders of the North Sea, the, the, the original smaller box. Um, but isn't that more say, satisfying when you can actually like compress it all? Oh, man. Oh, That's man. Way it, made, more it made all those years, made all those years playing Tetris worth it. <laughs> finally. Yeah. And if you're, if you're a parent with kids, it's like, I packed the trunk. Everything's in the trunk. I don't know how I did it. The, the stack is larger than the whole vehicle, and I got it in the trunk. Yeah. But see, I'm the kind of guy that you guys know this. I'll let that lid ride two inches high. It's like, ah, it'll <laughs> float. It's fine. Put elastic around it. Yeah, you tape expansions to the outside of boxes, too. You're a monster. <laughs> I'm a freak <laughs> of nature, man. So, so yeah, um, that's, my, that's my little rant about that boxes and board games don't seem to be like 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 the trend in technology was to get smaller right fit fit (laughs) the computer inside your pocket and now the board games are kind of going in the opposite direction i don't know part of me is part of me's got a good joke and in the next segment ryan talks about all his kickstarter deluxified editions and his (laughs) new addition to his house yeah yeah board game i'm here i'm feeling you ryan because my shelves are full right now too yeah well, the good thing about, for, I mean, I'm looking around, I'm like, yeah, I'm getting a little overflow, but it's like, wait, I'm a carpenter. I'll just build more shelves. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that's like a sticky Ian, problem. Looks like Ian kind of uh, snuck something in on the show notes here on us. What did he, what did he do? Oh, I did, because we don't have to do it. We can do that later. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. I was, I I was really just going to pick, I was just going to talk about stats. I guess I can. Okay, sure. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. It won't take very I'm a, long. I'm a math guy. I love statistics. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of, 
I don't know. I was thinking back in the year and I thought, you know, I wonder how many games I've played over 2020 because it sure hasn't been a lot. Uh, so I kind of look back on on my recorded plays. So I played, take a guess, how many games do you think I've played this year? How many not, different games? Not different games, just games how all together. How many together. plays? Just straight out plays? How many plays, like, okay, yeah. How many, okay. how many plays? Um, I'll go with, are we doing prices Right rules? Yeah. Um, Over I'm 200. Go, and I'll go with 175. 104 is Ooh. what it says. So not very Ooh. much at all. Not very much at all. Most are before March, some during summer when we had a little bit of a reprieve. I don't count online games, by the way. Oh. For stats. Okay. Okay, what do you think my most played game of the year is? Wingspan. Wingspan. You got it, Wingspan. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. it won another category. Yeah. Wingspan uh, for sale was next. Yeah. And oh, Machikoro Legacy. Because well, Legacy okay. games tend You'd to have it. to play at least 12, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. And then I kind of looked. I saw, you know what? What are the new games I played this year? And what's the best one? Um, so I was looking through, and it looks like I've played 12 new games. Like new to me, I mean. Yeah. New to me games. Although some of them don't count. Like, I played Ticket to Ride, the kids' version with my nephews. I don't know that that really counts. But uh, I would say the best game that I played this year, looking back on my stats, that was new to me, would probably be Lagranja. Yeah. Because, boy, did that game knock my socks off. I can't believe I hadn't played it before. I love that game. Yeah, Yeah, it was so much fun. And I actually did play that one originally online and, like, immediately bought it. Oh, yeah, right, because I stole from you, right, Ryan? You sniped it from Ryan because there was one (laughs) copy left at Jeff's store. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Zoink. Yeah. And then you, Ryan, had to go, uh, like, what, on Geek Market and find one? Yeah, I went and found one on Geek Market. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, the other game, a couple games that stand out to me that were new to me this year was Spirit Island. Yeah. Which has really been picking up a lot of steam, like, popularity-wise this year. Solid. Yeah. It's because yep. a new expansion just came out yeah. uh, for yeah. it. A lot of people are talking about that game. And then Dune, which I, I just need more time to play at mm-hmm. higher player accounts. I mm-hmm. really want to want to play that one more. Cool. Right on. Yeah. Oh, and now, I have a 41% win rate. I don't know if that's good or not, but that's where I'm at. Yeah, probably, it's probably better than mine. My stats, I have a 100% win rate because I only took stats on one game. There, so, no, there you go. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis the Eighth Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We're going to go into reviews. And uh, before we kick straight into it, I, I, I thought I would take the take the uh, the moment here to just quickly go over the at least for my my own sake uh, our review format I mean it's uh, we hit you with some game details we hit you with a game overview and the nuts and bolts as we like to say uh, and then we go into opinions 
uh, and we're always about the outside in. Let's look at the box and then, you know, mentally take the box out. Let's talk about the stuff inside the box. And then, of course, we finish up with conclusions all of the time. And because um, that's, that's what we're about, having some conclusions based on incomplete information. Okay. Yep. Well, hopefully not that incomplete. Um, so that being said, uh, I'll take us straight into it. Um, uh, and so uh, I've had the pleasure of uh, playing over the weekend um, and, and several plays uh, of Unmatched uh, Battle of Legends. Now, Unmatched is uh, from uh, um, the uh, publisher of uh, Restoration Games, and it used to be an old Star Wars game, I believe. And they brought epic it back. Duels. Yeah, epic. Yeah. So Rob Davio and crew uh, brought back uh, this in the form of uh, um, uh, not necessarily one IP, but a lot of, I think, public domain stuff. And uh, so in this case, let's, uh, as I said with the format, um, let's uh, get into the overview. And uh, in uh, Unmatched is a high, and I'm, I'm going to take this from the. Uh, Publisher's notes here. Uh, Unmatched is a highly asymmetrical miniature fighting game for two or four players. Each hero is represented by a unique deck designed to evoke their style and legend. Tactical movement and no-luck combat resolution create a unique play experience that rewards expertise. But just when you've mastered one set, new heroes arrive to provide all new matchups. So in Volume 1, you get King Arthur, you get Medusa, you get Sinbad, and you get Alice from the um, uh, so popular Alice in Wonderland's Tales. Now, um, as mentioned, it's hand management. Each person's got a unique deck. Um, it is uh, basically it's a skirmish game. Okay, so uh, each player has uh, their their hero and, a, and and supporting figure. Sometimes it's one supporting figure. Um, or sometimes it's it's uh, entourage, depending on, and it's interesting what I'm discovering that depending on the character, the the rule manipulation is different but balanced, even if it sounds out of balance. Um, all, all the out of balance makes everything in balance, kind of in an asymmetrical way. But um, yeah, so th- as far as the mechanisms go, it's all uh, you have three sets of cards. You have um, uh, cards that refer to your hero or cards that refer to your support uh, um, or, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, sidekick, if you want to say. Um, and, uh, some, and some cards refer to any, meaning um, either your hero or your sidekick. Now, there's those attack and defense cards. And then there's, um, uh, I believe, it's, <laughs> in my head, I got the lightning bolt. Um, but it's sort of like a, 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 an event card where you play it and it's an ability kind of instantaneous thing. On your turn, you get two actions, either movement, maneuver, it's called maneuver, where you pull up a card and you make a movement, or you get to do this event action, or you get to attack. And each character has on their special abilities card, uh, it identifies the hit points, it identifies if they're melee or ranged. Now, the beautiful part about this skirmish is a tight map, and on this map, the range part coordinates with different zones. I believe that some maps have five zones. I think that's the standard. Um, but if you are in the zone, same zone as one person, you can unleash a, a, uh, a ranged attack. Um, 
and uh, it's pretty straightforward how you win this game. Reduce the reduce the hero to zero, and that's the game. Sometimes it runs <laughs> when I was playing against my daughter. Some games were uh, were pretty much one and done, uh, for like five <coughs> minutes. She had Medusa, and she caught me without defense cards, and boom, 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 eight hit points, done, game over, and she just smiled at me and kind of dropped the mic. Um, so, opinions, outside, inside. As far as this box goes... Uh, this is, I believe this was their introductory box. Now I'm going to get into the fact that the uniqueness is the, 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 the open uh, design scheme of the, the individuals. I'll get to that later though. But uh, the box does a great job of looking like uh, you've got heroes in action moves. The art is compelling. Uh, it, it, it's, there's nothing boring about this box cover. Uh, opening it up, the components, the minis are awesome. Uh, they have this, they have this uh, kind of not pre-painted look to it, but it's got a wash to it, so that it at least has some some kind of shadowing dimensions. Uh, the fact that they took that step is is interesting, to, is is awesome, right? Because I mean, it just takes that mini one step. Part of me wants to paint all this stuff already, though. But um, uh, so um, graphic design of everything is great. The cards read great. Uh, the, as far as the components go, the cards are awesome, nice and thick. Uh, Ryan, I don't think you're going to need to sleeve these. <laughs> okay. Good. Uh, uh, but the game system and game style, uh, it's the game system is out of these list of three actions, pick two. And that's, it's, and it's all, there's no, I mean, I would say there's no strategy. It's, it's, there is some general strategy, but it's such a tactical game because you don't know what cards are going to be in your hand. And it's not one of these deck builders where at the end of your turn, you drop to five. No, 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 no. You need to use a maneuver to draw a card into your hand. So there's a lot of interesting tactical decisions to be made into this game. Uh, rule book. Awesome. Great. Um, I think I, I skipped that one going into the game style game system. The unique mechanisms. I think what's unique about this game is that you can bring any character to this fight. They have, now let me go through what they have. They have uh, a new series called Cobbled and Fog where you have um, the Invisible Man, Sherlock Holmes, Jekyll and Hyde. Um, you have, <laughs> I so much want to get this. You have Bruce Lee, just just one character by the Bruce Lee expansion because this game is you could have Bruce Lee fight Alice in Wonderland you could have Sasquatch fight Robin Hood um, there's a uh, there's a Buffy the Vampire Slayer series coming out um, so that's I think the uniqueness of this is the sandboxy nature of the game design itself the system that if you can bring in a if you could develop a character that follows and integrates the same schema of mechanisms with the other characters and that they're balanced nice um yeah bring it on as creative as you can get and as imaginative as a designer as you can get this this i think this is a pretty open arena i would say yeah because they uh they just announced that this year they're gonna they have four expansion sets coming out all based on marvel um comic book characters this year so like they have a hell's i just looked here they have a hell's kitchen um expansion with like daredevil, daredevil. and yeah. Ultra and so I, th- Luke Cage. I think like we're mentioning before with code names on how code names has become a brand um i think unmasked is on that same kind of 
scaffolding system where they've they've locked into a great architecture of game design where now they can just plug in modules and these modules are the fighters right you can bring in if you can develop a set right i mean marvel that's a great set you could you could go crazy it just be you know how how good is your licensing contracts going so um yeah so let's finish up let's go into this idea of does it all connect absolutely if they've put enough thought into the player powers to make that asymmetry um make sense and and there's there's not kind of like ah i don't buy this but it's a good card right uh everything everything dials in nice and properly um conclusions uh it's it's not a typical game I would play. I, I I'm like my euros, but um, and because we're in isolation and and, uh, and Ryan, you were talking about the whole you know getting your kids into it. I think this is a great game to get my my daughter who's who's eleven, um, and it doesn't take long. I mean, you could have a fifteen minute game. So it's it's one of those things where it's a nice game for her to step into, and then. All of a sudden, once she realized all these other characters, she just looked at me and went, okay, when are you going to the store? <laughs> Go get this Sasquatch versus uh, um, uh, Red Riding Hood. No, Red Riding Hood versus Beowulf. Yeah, that's that's one. So I showed her that one and she's like, yeah. So I'm now again, as far as identifying uh, my conclusions, I like this game. I like this game a lot. I don't know how it will stick around as far as my case goes because of the isolation. But the moment we get to play, man, I think this one's be a great lunchtime game for work because you could just sit down mm. and have your lunch and just basically it's totally, it's like, what's that, what's that uh, boxing game that we used to play in the nineties where you just push the buttons and it would rock and sock and rock and sock and robots. This is rock and sock and robots with cards. This is so much fun. Um, I, it's, it's on the middle shelf for sure. It just comes down to, will I be able to, will I be able to, to, to get this onto the table either with my family or when we, you know, open it up. But yeah, I have, I have no regrets stepping into the system or this brand, I would say. So I, I'm compelled to go get some more. I, I so want to get the Bruce Lee because I got pl- I, holding the cards. I, I could just picture myself holding these cards and I'll just sit there and go, <laughs> yeah so uh this is this has been a game that's been on my radar because it's it's mainly played as a two-player right a 1v1 yeah type of type of scenario and everything like that can it play like a 2v2 yeah. or yeah they have different varieties where it could be like two against one or okay. it's like it's like free-for-all um yeah yeah because we're we're all about the two-player games yeah. um as of, as of right yeah. now and everything I, I don't know if jen would like this one as much but it has me intrigued because it also has get draws lots of similarities to um um the Funkoverse yeah um game as well that, there's always they, they this, have like this a, versus, they have yeah. a little they have a little skirmish they have yeah. a little skirmish game there well, well and they're just that. throwing in this with that and and making weird yeah. combinations right it's yeah. kind of the same yeah. but this this one seems like a more polished um version of that, I don't know. I, I keep coming back to this one. I, it always grabs my attention when I see when I see it at the store. Yeah. It's, it's always grabbed my attention. Well, you the cool thing is, um, because they've got all these expansions, and I'm not, I you know what we call them expansions, um, extra fighters, is that it's very much like dice thrones and all these other games where you just need to buy the this person versus that person. 
I've got the, the original base game that has four fighters in it, but you can get the sets of uh, Robin Hood versus Sasquatch, Red Riding Hood versus Grendel, no, Beowulf, right? Beowulf. So there's, yeah, there's like, there's, there's a, a smaller version and there's the, you know, the, the big box, right? So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's Unmatched. This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escape's escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. Okay, Ryan. Cool. Okay, let's get into some dressmaking, West, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> so um, the game that I chose for this review uh, has been a game that Jen and I uh, played um, quite a bit um, as of late. Jen really enjoys this game. Um, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, Rococo, which was um, designed by Matthias Kramer and Stefan Louise Malls. Now, um, the version that I'm going to be talking about today is the Eagle Griffin um, brand new big box deluxe version, but it was originally released in 2013 by Eggerspiel. And now it's been re-released in 2020 here by Eagle Griffin Games. Now, the original 2013 had art by Michael Menzel. And take a look at that one. The, the art on that one is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Michael Menzel in our favorite artists yeah. um, episode. But this brand new um, big box deluxe version has art by none other than <sighs> Mr. Ian O'Toole, who seems to be doing all of the art projects for Eagle Griffin Games these days. Yeah. Um, so I'll give you the overview of what Rococo is if you're not familiar with it. So um, in the deluxe edition rulebook... This is what it says. <laughs> so Louis XV reigns in France, and it's the height of fashion to attend his lavish balls where the important luminaries dress up in extravagant gowns, fancy frock coats, and all eager to surpass one another in elegance and grace. In just a few weeks, Louis XV is hosting the final grand ball of the season, and everyone is clamoring for you to provide them with an elegant frock, here, a sumptuous gown there, or even a small sum to fund some of the great fireworks to be displayed. You quickly realize it's not just about your tailoring business anymore. It's about creating a presence at the most prestigious ball of the era and a chance to gain everlasting fame and prestige. So um, at its core here, Rococo is a resource management and area majority type of game. And it's got a very, very small um, sprinkle of deck building um, incorporated into it. And I'll get into that, what I mean about that later. Um, But the game is played over seven rounds where the players will be vying for, um, I'm going to put it here, quote, quote unquote, control of the five ballrooms of Louis XV's palace here. And what you're going to be doing is by assigning your employees, which are represented by cards, to perform certain tasks. Um... And it's important to note that not all your all the employees, all these cards in the game are created equally. Um, there's three categories of um, employees you're going to get. There's apprentices. Now, uh, like an apprentice, they can only do very min, min, minimal tasks. Like they can only just get you resources 
or they can go pay for something, uh, pay for a decoration for you. That's really all they can do. Um, it's important to note that those decorations are worth points at the end of the game. We're sorry, prestige. We're, <laughs> we're trying to gain prestige in this game. Um, journeyman is another is the next level up, and they can do all those things that the apprentices can do, but as well, um, the, the journeyman can tailor garments, and they can also gain the queen's favor. Now, gaining the queen's favor in this game is just a way to claim the first player marker. That's really all it kind of does. And then the last level of employee is the masters. And the masters, apparently, they can do everything. Um, but the added benefit that masters can do is they can hire, they have the ability to hire new employees into your into your deck of employee cards. Cool. Also, other tasks like that journeymen can fulfill or apprentices can fulfill, if those tasks are done by a master, um, you get a more illustrious reward for being performed by a master type of thing. Um, at the beginning of every round, you get to select three cards, uh, sorry, three em- employees to perform tasks. This is kind of neat because it's not, you have a deck of cards, you're not shuffling it and then just drawing three. You get to look through all of the cards you have that you haven't played yet, and you get to pick three that you're going to perform tasks for this round. So there's actually quite a bit of strategic planning that can go along with what cards you're choosing. Um, like I said, once all your employees have been played, only then that they can become available again for the next for the, for the next current round. Um, new employees, when you hire them, go straight into your hand to be played um, that round. Um, the cool thing is that you get to choose those employees every round. I, I really like that fact. It's not just the shuffle and the random draw. Um, you get to pick what you get to who who you get to assign to do what. Now, this game is all about the fashion. So tailoring garments is the main objective of this game. So I'm going to go over that aspect. It's actually kind of cool. Um, so when you tailor a garment, you're going to be, uh, you have to spend the, ne- obviously you have to spend the necessary resources, which are fabrics, lace, yarn. And you also have to spend some money in order to uh, acquire some of these, some of these garments. Now, once you've acquired it, you got two choices for it. You can sell it for a profit. So like, you might spend $2 to acquire the garment and all the and spend all the resources. And then I can go around and flip it for, say, like there's some of them that say get you like $15 or $20 to get to sell it. So that's kind of a way to kind yeah. of get your income to pay for other actions. But what you're mostly going to be wanting to do with these garments is to rent them to a uh, noble and then go have them display it in one of the ballrooms. So you just take the t- you take the garment, you flip it over. It's now worth prestige <laughs> at the end of the game. And now they are representing your garment in one of the ballrooms. Right on. Um, at the end of the game, if you, I mentioned about those funding of decorations that apprentices can do and all, all anybody can do. There, there's a special top of the board, which is the top of the palace. And when you fund a decoration there, you're funding a fireworks display, which is oh, actually kind of right. neat. And uh, at the end of the game, you can send one of these noble people that have one of your garments on. You can send them up to watch the firework display. And now they're worth more points. They're worth, like, say, double or triple the amount of points, depending on which fireworks display you funded. It's actually kind of neat. Um, at the end of every round, you get income because you have to pay for things. So you get a base uh, income of $5 every round. But there's other ways that you can increase that income. And the winner and the most famous tailor at the end of the game is the person who has acquired the most prestige. 
And they, and like I said, the, what you're really trying to do here is you're trying to have a majority in each of those ballrooms because if you have a majority, you're going to score bonus um, prestige. So this is a very sneaky um, area control, area majority type of game, but you're not fighting and you're not <coughs> battling with one another. You're just sending people to wear your dresses and coats and everything like that into the into the ballrooms. Well, there's an interesting idea there with the fact that you're making a product basically right Mm -hmm. but then that extra level of sending it out to do something else in the game yeah yeah Yeah, that's kind of neat it kind of makes me think of my viva java game where i'm building coffee and then i have to send it to the market or like um no oh yeah vinos when you have to send your wines to the to the vino you make the the wine you have to go and sell it and yeah, it's a it's a very classic in Euro design. I I, I feel it's good. well, it, it is a two thousand three, so it's about a, it's a seven year old game at this point, and so it's kind of got the that classic um, feel to it. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna get into my opinions here. Um, so all outside in, so we got the box <laughs> art and the graphic design. So I'm only commenting on the um, deluxe edition. Yeah. Um, I believe Norm has the original two thousand thirteen. Um, edition, yeah. but uh, the deluxe edition is one of the Eagle Griffin big box games. So it's very tall, not necessarily wide, yeah. but it's very it's very tall. Doesn't fit on a standard bookshelf or a calyx shelf. Um, and the graphic design is um, stellar. Oh. Uh, it 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 is so it's it's, it's gorgeous to look at. Um, the icons make sense. They do have a player aid. It's a very large piece of paper, but that explains all the icons. But the icons themselves. Um, are very self, uh, self-explanatory and very, and very forward. There's a very few that you would ever actually have to look up um, right out of the gates. But uh, yeah, and the artwork by Ian O'Toole, it's, it's actually stunning to look at. Yeah. Now, um, on, on, our, on our other show that we just started here, the What You've Been Playing Wednesdays, I made a mention, though, that I actually kind of like the Michael, Men- Michael Menzel art yeah. better, so I wish they kind of tried to incorporate that a little bit into this game i was actually just gonna i'm gonna agree with you ryan i i don't know the games but i've got them both pulled up on my screen here i think i like the old version better too now it's it's not knocking the eno tool artwork it's it's he's done he's done a very good job and kind of i don't know putting his touch and his spin on on the game here I don't know. I just that 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 classicness i was just the classicness I, i i really enjoy about it but that's Neither here or there. What I appreciate from the Eagle Griffin version is that, and again, of Ian O'Toole, is that the palette that he selects for the games that he draws for or that he creates for, the palettes are bang on. Like like this, mm-hmm. like Rococo, it's all of these, these um, era colors. They're soft. They're... And it, and mm-hmm. it didn't, they're all like you could describe these qualities of these colors, and you would be using the same adjectives as you would describe garments of that era. If that makes any sense to me, sure, yeah, right. That makes it's sense. smooth. It's they're soft. They're they're yeah. I mean, uh, and not to take away from Manzel, but it's sort of like two different cars of the it, like oh. yeah. Like somebody's got a hot rod Mustang and someone's got a vintage Mustang, right? Yeah, we got the 93 Civic here and now we've got the 2020 (laughs) Civic. (laughs) Yeah. So um, components in this game, like I know I got the deluxe version, the Eagle Griffin deluxe version. 
and the components are absolutely stunning. Um, I'm, I'm going to use that word quite a bit here because um, it has the metal coins. It has um, actually resin resources that represent um, yarn and lace, which are kind of a nice touch. The cardboard is very thick cardboard, so it, it punched out really nicely out of the punch boards and they feel um, nice and thick. This one comes with drawstring bags to put the, the resources that you have to kind of like shuffle up and everything like that. And instead of putting them into stacks, you just kind of throw them in a bag and you can mix them up, mix them up there uh, type thing. This absolutely for a deluxe edition, this has the absolute worst insert in the history of inserts for a deluxe version <laughs> type of game. Um, to the point that I, I was so frustrated trying to put things back into the box that I actually had to go into Board Game Geek and see how did other people put the stuff back into the box. And then I found a post by um, by uh, a representative of Eagle Griffin Games and they showed exactly what they wanted. So if they actually just included like a little piece of paper just to kind of show how the, yeah. where the things were supposed to go and how you're supposed to pack this back into the box, I, I would have appreciated that instead <laughs> of me having to try to go like frustrated for like, 10 minutes trying to figure out how where do things go rules of the game so, and rules of the pack yeah um rule book is a very good rule book um like games that i'm trying to review the, uh, that i review these days i'm actually learning the game from the rule book and not uh, not a video and this one this one was 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 okay it was it was top notch um i wasn't left with any questions when i was reading through it and once you actually play this game once the what you say, like that rules overload that what you have to remember mm-hmm. to, to do on a, in, in a round. It, it's not that much because you're essentially you're just playing three cards uh, on a round and you're taking one of the, one of the actions that's laid, that's laid out yeah. um, for you. So the rule book and learning curve, it, it's, it's very good and very, uh, it's very small. Cool. Okay. Let's get into the game system here. Cause this, like I said, it's, it's a, it's a sneaky area majority type of game. And essentially, that's what that's what it's going to be. Yes, you're going to be scoring prestige for tailoring these certain garments, um, but also a bulk of the prestige that you're going to get is kind of having majorities in the in the different ballrooms uh, there. So everything. So I've only played this at two player, and it works okay at two player. Like um, most area majority and area control type of games, they don't work at two player because there's always supposed to be a conflict. Yeah. There's usually a conflict. Yeah. And here there's not really conflict. It's like, hey, I put somebody in this ballroom and now now Jen has also put somebody in that ballroom. So now there's competition for representing that ballroom. And what I didn't mention too is that it's very easily that you could have ties mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the ballrooms. And so the ties are broken by if um, you have a master um, employee design ah, a garment. Yeah, okay. Or if there's no one, if there's still a tie there then... Um, if you funded a decoration in that ballroom, if you've paid for a decoration in that ballroom, you break the tie as well. So there's different tie breakers based on the different things that you're already doing cool. um, in the game. This game is actually really going to be really good, I think, at the four, at the four player, like the higher, the four and five player player counts, because there's going to be all that competition for the ballrooms. <laughs> That's- and, plus, and plus all the dresses and the coats and the garments are going to cycle a lot faster and a lot more Yeah. type thing. Um, uniqueness, um, what I'm going to go with here is that it's that uniqueness of the, um, of how the deck building works in this game uh, of the fact that I'm still going to acquire new employees that have better benefits. I didn't mention that every employee has a benefit on them. So after you play them, you get a kind of like a bonus, maybe you get a bonus turn or a 
discounts on doing certain things. Um, but the fact that I'm not, once I've used them, I don't shuffle them and draw. I actually get to look at and, and, and pick and choose who I'm going to use for a certain kind route. of a hand management thing then. Yeah. So, and so I can set it up that I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do very, uh, I'm not going to do master level things this yeah. round. I'm going to set up my next round that I'm going to play. I'm going to do lots of master oh, level cool. type, type of type of things. That's what I kind of, kind of do, do with it. So it's, it's really, it's really, really neat in that way. Right on. Um, does it connect? Do I feel like I'm, um, I'm, I'm running a tailoring business. No, it's, 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 it's like, <laughs> do you it's, have it's, it's, real it's life comparison yeah. to that or <laughs> I organized my, so you know what drawer. it feels like, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, this is a, this is a, I'm, I'm assuming it's a very abstracted theme on top of this one, but it's a, but it's a theme that you don't see very often and yeah. I can respect that. Yeah. Like if I, if I, if you were to ask me, I was going to own a game about making garments and dresses and it, it in the past and everything, I'm like, I'd be like, get out of my face yeah. type of thing. But the Euro game here is very solid. Cool. It's very good. I think there's a reason why it was when, when it went out of print that it was very highly sought after afterwards. Like there would be copies of this game going for like 80 to a hundred dollars oh, yeah. on that board game. I call it the board game black market. <laughs> and so um, it's very highly sought after. Now with that being said, at five plays, we've played about five plays now. I've seen everything that there is to, for this base for the base game. Mm-hmm. Um, the stack of employees is not variable. It's the exact same set of employees, and they come out in almost the exact same order um, every every time. Okay. So on that note, that's kind of a ding against it because after about a handful of plays here, you've seen the game, and there might be a slight different variation in way they come up but you know what cards yeah. after a while which ones you're going to be wanting me to get towards you can kind of tailor a strategy around that but is it fun though is it still uh, we fun? had a blast with okay. the, we had a blast with the first few plays yeah. and then it's just started feeling samey Ooh. after after the, after the next few okay and so now what the deluxe edition does too though is that it throws in um there's a there's an expansion for it that we haven't played with yet, but I know exactly what people are saying, why the expansion was even more sought after than the actual base game, because it adds more employee cards to the, so that there's a variability Uh. in the employee deck. And then there's also a new um, thing that you can be tailoring. You can get jewelry for your garments. Nice. So they call it the jewelry box expansion, which, (laughs) so it'll add the variability in, in the way that there's another phase or there's another thing that you can be doing the score prestige, um, as well. I think we're at that point. Okay. And then I'll probably report back after I play, right on. after I play with the, with the, how do you, so my conclude, how do you conclude your research? So (laughs) my conclusion on, on, on Rococo is that I can see why, people enjoyed this game. I can see why there's the, there's that classic Euro DNA here, but I have to ding it on the, if you're just going to be playing just the base game, um, it's going to, uh, for me, it grows stale. And maybe I just need to play with more players. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I just, maybe this is one of those games that you just don't play repeatedly over and over and over again. Maybe this is one of those ones like it's a once a month type of game or a once every couple of weeks type of game. Um, but it does, will the base game itself will grow stale, um, cause you'll just know what's going on. You'll probably start seeing the strategy that you want to apply 
that you want to apply in a certain situation type thing. So, okay. um, so for me, it's physically on the top shelf because that's where the big boxes have to go. <laughs> but uh, it, but for game wise, this is more of a middle shelf. I'm almost wanting to put it on the bottom, the base game itself on the bottom shelf as well. So it's kind of like that mid to bottom type of thing, just because I don't know how many times we're going to play it just the base game now. Yeah. And if it slides into the bottom shelf, this might actually end up in the the, the trade pile because I think I've gotten everything that I had out of it. Okay. All right. Cool. So that was um, Rococo. Well, that uh, wonderfully wraps up this uh, episode of Reviews. Uh, thank you so much for listening to us to the completion. And uh, I'm always ple- I'm always happy to say thank you so much. I've been your host, Norm. I've been Ryan. <laughs> and I'm you. And we'll catch you later. <laughs> <laughs>